Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. And what do you know, The Blind Side has reached episode 50. Do we deserve a round of applause for that? I think we do. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and making it the success that it has become in such a short time. I really do appreciate that. Up ahead on the blind side today, because registration for telephone voting has already opened and you will be able to cast a telephone vote from the 6th of September onwards, we're going to be taking a break from talking to the politicians to talking to the people who manage the election. And we're going to be speaking with Melissa Thorpe from the Electoral Commission about the various ways that blind people can vote. So even if you're listening to us from outside New Zealand and you don't have a strong interest in our election, which is taking place on the 23rd of September, you may be interested in how we handle the question of how do blind people in New Zealand vote? And indeed, it would be interesting to know your opinions on this and how you vote where you are and whether you think that the way that you vote as a blind person is adequate. Do you feel that you're able to cast a secret ballot and that you're able to cast a ballot without undue hassle? So do feel free to get in touch on that subject. The email address is theblindside, all joined together, at mosin.org. That's theblindside at mosin.org. Before we get on to matters election, though, thank you to everyone who has signed up for our Unleash Your Inner Podcast course. It is still not too late to sign up. The first of these four webinars takes place this coming Saturday, and they'll take place on the first four Saturdays in September. If you can't make all of those webinars in person, don't worry, we make them available very quickly afterwards for download to all students So you will be able to enjoy the course and benefit from the course, even if you're not able to attend all of the webinars live. And those archives are, of course, yours to keep once you've purchased the Unleash Your Inner Podcast series. You can keep those MP3 files and refer to them maybe when you're starting to actually build your podcast and you need a refresher. One thing I'm very pleased to tell you is that on the first webinar, we're going to be joined by a special guest. Whenever I think about microphones, I think in the blind community about Neil Ewers. Many of you will be familiar with Neil and his golden voice and his incredible knowledge about microphones. Over the years, he's reviewed many microphones and given all kinds of demos. And so one of the things that we'll be covering in the first webinar is this choice of microphone issue. And it is quite a contentious thing because there are so many microphones out there. Some cost a few bucks. Others cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So as I was putting this together myself, I thought, let's just talk to Neil. Neil would be a great person to talk us through the various types of microphones and their pros and cons. And he's kindly agreed to be on our first webinar. So you can join Neil Ewers, you can join me, you can join the many people who've already signed up. Our email forum is active now and we're chatting about what people want to get out of the course. So it's a happening thing. If you would like to become a part of the Unleash Your Inner Podcast community, you can head over and purchase entry to the course right now. And the URL is www.mosin.org slash podcasting. That's mosin.org slash podcasting. There is still room for you. And we look forward to seeing you there. Our place, our issues. The Blind Side with Jonathan Mosen.
Before we speak with Melissa Thorpe from the Electoral Commission, I thought it would be of interest, particularly to our listeners outside New Zealand, if I describe the way New Zealand's election system works. As a New Zealander, I was proud of the process that led to us changing our voting system to be fairer and more democratic. We've had our current voting system since 1996, and in New Zealand we elect our government every three years, which means that this election is the eighth time we've used the voting system that we have now. New Zealand is a Westminster-style democracy, and that hasn't changed. This means that we don't get to vote for our prime minister directly in the way that, say, Americans vote for their president. Under our system, the leader of the largest party that, either on their own or through a coalition, has the confidence of parliament, usually becomes the prime minister. Some parties open the election of their leaders to rank-and-file members of their party, while others have members of parliament elect their leaders. Either way, that process is separate from a general election. Our old voting system was lifted right from Britain and was known as the the first-past-the-post system. It's still used by Britain today. The nation was divided into electorates. These are what some countries call constituencies. I think they're called ridings in Canada. They're a bit like congressional districts in an American context. The person with the largest number of votes becomes a member of parliament, even if that person didn't win a majority of the votes. For example, if there were three candidates with one receiving 38% of the vote, one receiving 36%, and another receiving 26%, the candidate receiving 38% of the vote was elected, even though they only had a plurality rather than a majority of the vote. Other than the plurality issue, another flaw in this system was that some votes mattered a lot more than others. American listeners will be very familiar with some states receiving a lot of attention during presidential elections, because they're toss-up states, while other states are unquestionably safe for one party or the other, so they receive hardly any attention at all. And that was how it was here as well. Safe electorates for both major parties received scant attention, while the marginal electorates received a lot of attention. Another serious flaw of this model is that it left many voters feeling unrepresented, We had a couple of elections where a smaller party received as much as 20% of the vote across the country, but because that vote wasn't concentrated in one place, they had few, or in one case, no members of parliament. This is a similar situation to the UKIP vote in the 2015 British election. And so it was decided to hold a commission of inquiry into our electoral system to ask New Zealanders whether we could come up with anything better, more fair, and research other voting systems used around the world. It issued its report back in 1986, and it recommended that we switch to the proportional list-based system used for national elections in Germany, known as Mixed Member Proportional, or MMP for short. After a protracted debate and two national referenda, New Zealanders agreed that MMP would be our electoral system in 1993. Around half of New Zealand's parliament is still elected using the electorate system we used to have, and there's no change there. Since the number of electorates is fewer, they are of course larger. The rest of parliament is determined using a list system. This means that every New Zealander at an election gets two votes. The first vote 
allows us to choose who we want to represent us in Parliament when it comes to local issues. But the most important vote is the second one, and that's known as the party vote. You simply choose the party that you want to govern the country. Subject to a couple of anomalies that I think I'll skip for this basic explanation, the party vote is proportional. If the National Party gets 45% of the party vote and the Labour Party gets 40% of the party vote, then National gets 45% of the seats in Parliament, while Labour gets 40% of the seats in Parliament. That number is made up first by members of Parliament who have won electorates, and any remainder comes from a party list. The party lists are published ahead of the election, and people on the list are ranked in order, so people voting know who will be filling those list seats. What this means is that every vote in New Zealand is equal. Even if you're in a safe electorate for one party, and you support another party, the party vote is a national vote, so your vote really does count. You'll notice I use numbers like 45% and 40%, and another feature of most proportional systems is that they tend to require coalitions, and that does tend to build a more consensus style of government. The list system also means that it's possible to represent particular constituencies that aren't geographical in nature. You will have heard in an episode of The Blind Side recently in this series on the general election that we spoke to Mojo Mathers, who was deaf, and the Green Party felt that there was a disability constituency that could be represented through the party list. So it has certainly made Parliament a lot more representative. Minorities, people who wouldn't probably be elected under the electorate system, do have a voice now under the party list system. And that is how we will be voting with our two votes for the electorate and the party vote on the 23rd of September. It's time to hear from this week's featured guest on The Blind Side. Now that you know how the voting process works, what's being done in New Zealand to make the voting process accessible and, where possible, secret for blind people? I'm joined by Melissa Thorpe from the Electoral Commission. She is the Acting Manager Voting Services, and we recorded this interview last week. Welcome, Melissa. It's great to have you on The Blind Side. Uh, Kia ora, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. What does the Electoral Commission do? The Electoral Commission, we oversee uh, the running of parliamentary elections and referenda in New Zealand, and we maintain the electoral role. So in New Zealand, we have the electoral role is something that is maintained all the time, whether or not there's an election or not. Um, and so that's something that's, that's what our fine people out in the in all across New Zealand do on a day-to-day basis. And we also do a lot of work um, engaging with communities, um, educating them, whether it's community groups, schools, um, about enrolling and voting and, and why it's important. So a very busy time. This is, I guess, your your peak time right now, making sure that the election runs smoothly. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's all go at the moment. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about how blind people can participate in this process. And there is a process that I think was first unveiled in the 2014 election, if I'm remembering correctly, where blind people can participate in the electoral process simply by telephone. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Um, So at the 2014 general election, we did introduce for the first time what we call telephone dictation voting. 
And so how that works is, is first and foremost, um, a person needs to be enrolled to vote. And so that's no matter what method by which you're voting, um, being enrolled um, is, is the first step. So once, once we've got that underway, um, and I can talk a little bit more about that if you like, but once someone is enrolled, um, they can simply call our 0800 number for telephone dictation voting, which is 0800 028 028. And from there, it's a, it's a two-step process. So there'll be two phone calls. The first one, uh, someone will call up and they'll register for dictation voting. So we'll ask a few questions about um, whether or not they, that person meets the criteria to be able to use the service. Um, and then we'll ask you a few details to confirm your enrollment. And then you get given um, a registration number. So that's a number that's unique to you. And you'll be asked a, a secret question. So for example, what was the name of your first pet? After that, so that, that's that first step done, that registration done. And then you will call back and on the second time, um, once voting opens from the uh, 6th of September for dictation voting, and you'll call back and at that call, you will likely speak to someone else and the, that person will ask you for your registration number and your secret question and at no time will they ask you your name. Um, and that's really one of the ways that we ensure that your vote it's going to stay secret. So when you're on that voting call, you'll call through and the person that you're talking to, they'll read through a list of all the political parties and the candidates who are standing in your electorate from the ballot paper. They'll have the ballot paper in front of them. Um, and all you'll need to do is tell them the name of the party that you choose and, and the candidate that you'd like to vote for, and they'll mark the ballot paper for you. After that, they'll bring in a second person um, who will read back to you what they're seeing on the ballot paper. So that gives you or the voter the assurance that their wishes have been marked um, in the right way, basically. Um, yeah, and that, that's really it. Two phone calls, um, relatively quick um, and, and relatively straightforward. So a couple of things then, going back to the enrolment process, the actual getting mm -hmm. on the electoral roll, is that process mm -hmm. accessible these days? Can you do that completely online if you're a blind person who uses screen reading technology or magnification? Or, or is there some print at some point that you might have to have sighted assistance to complete? Yes, at, at this stage we are, we are still required to have a paper-based enrolment form. Um, we are... Yeah, we're not at the point yet where we're um, able to offer a full online enrollment, but there are a number of different ways that you can request that form be sent to you. So you can get it through um, through the website. Um, so if you've got if you've got a screen reader that that helps with that, that that could potentially help you navigate through the website. Um, old school from a post shop. <laughs> yeah. Um, or you can also call our, our main 0800 number. So that's different to the dictation voting number, um, which is 0800 36 76 56. And those, the folks at the 0800 number will be happy to, to send out an enrollment form right to you. Um, at, at the same time, um, you know, if, if someone requires help to fill in the enrollment form, um, someone can someone can assist with that, um, or or fill it in on your behalf if that's 
if that's an option. Um, and absolutely, as, as much as possible, uh, someone who's got low vision or, or is blind can, can sign or mark the form in whatever way um, they're able to or, or want to. Um, but if they're unable to, then someone can sign it on their behalf. There's just a few words they'll need to, to write alongside of that if, if that does happen. And it is actually the law in New Zealand that you have to be on the electoral roll, correct? You don't have to vote, but you do have to be on the electoral roll. Absolutely, yep. yep. It is compulsory to enroll, but not to vote, although strongly encouraged. <laughs> right, right, okay. Yeah. So in terms of the cutoff point for this, you can vote all the way up to election day by telephone. You can vote on the day itself. Absolutely. Yep. Up until 7 p.m. on election day, just um, same as our, all the voting places in New Zealand. But there is a special vote that you're casting. I, I live in Ohio, and um, that used to be, until Monday of uh, this week, uh, an important electorate because obviously if, uh, if, the, you know, if the incumbent was elected, that had quite a significant impact on the, uh, on the outcome of the election. And so mm. in 2014, I actually chose to go along to my polling place just because I didn't really want to wait to see the impact that my vote would have. I wanted to cast a vote ah, in a significant yeah. electorate like Ohio. So that is still mm-hmm. the case, right? You you do cast a special vote when you use telephone dictation voting. Yes, yes, you are casting a special vote because for what we call an an ordinary vote, um, what the law allows us to do, it, it's, we're only able to do that if the person is standing in front of you in person. And so for all the other scenarios that we have, um, whether it's a a postal vote or a dictation vote, um, or just for whatever reason, if someone isn't able to get to a voting place, um, those are all special declaration votes. One really nice touch, because I have used this for referenda that we've had since 2014, is is that you do get a choice of how you receive your special code. So if you're using a smartphone and you've got a screen reader on that, you can receive a text message containing your code. You can receive an email or they'll dictate it to you so you can write it down. So it's very well thought through in terms of all of the options that you might want to use to get that code. Thank you. Yes, yes. There are there are a, a few options. We we did work with um, uh, advocacy groups um, and in developing the system um, and got feedback from from users before we rolled it out in 2014. So all of that was really valuable to us um, in, in making sure that it was something that was going to work. Um, and offer as much choice as possible for people using the system. Now, if you uh, forget your code yeah. or, or misplace the code, are you, are you doomed? Or is there a way to recover somehow from that where you've been given a code, but you don't remember what it is or you've had some sort of technology crisis and you've lost the code? <laughs> yeah, and, um, no worries at all. You can just give us a call back and, and explain that and our, our operators will be will be happy to, to take you through that and um Verify, they'll either um, verify your who you are again, and um, they will, and they'll reissue you a new number. So that's that's no worries. Okay, what happens in the situation where somebody chooses to go to a polling place? There's a long-standing provision in the Electoral Act that provides for this too, right? And dictation voting is just one option, a new option that you can choose, but Mm. you can still turn up, say, with a a trusted friend or a family member to the polling Mm -hmm. place if that's what you prefer. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and it's also... um, 
Really, in, in New Zealand now we we do election day is a is a very important day, um, and the voting the voting ability for people at the moment for anyone um, really extends to the couple of weeks before election day. Now we've got quite a quite a high turnout um, during our advanced voting period. So for this election from from the 11th of September, there will be advanced voting places open uh, for people as well. So um, if that's something that they choose to take advantage of, then then that's another option as well. But um, absolutely rock on up in person to, to a voting place or an advanced voting place. Um, and our staff are, are happy to, happy to assist. We, we place a strong emphasis on on respect for each person and and voter care in our training for our staff as well, um, and you know to the extent that in our in our core training films that that all election day and advanced voting staff watch, um, we've actually got some we show interactions with a blind person and we have a blind person on screen actually um, talking about their experience and. Um, what what it's like in a voting place from their perspective. So um, we really hope that that that, that awareness um, translates through to the to the people who are there issuing the votes. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear because I, it's been a very long time since I've had a problem walking into a polling place to vote. I've been voting for thirty years now, and I think the first time that I went to vote, I did have somebody challenge my um, desire to take a good friend into the polling booth who I trusted with me and they said no right. you have to take a scrutineer you have to take an official from the polling place and I had to quote the section of the electoral act at them <laughs> and uh, it was mm. all a bit sort of um, upsetting but gosh mm. uh, that that hasn't happened for a very long time and every time that I've been to a polling place it's been a very straightforward process and people did seem to be very informed about what rights I have to take somebody in with me Good, well I'm, I'm really happy to hear that one thing that has changed in the time that I've been voting is that very early on, there was a Braille template that was offered. And I don't know if you have any information on this because it was a long time ago, but you could mm. uh, read in Braille the names of the candidates. It was before MMP came along. So you just had one vote right. for your MP. And um, yeah. you, you, you could take in, in Braille who you wished to vote for. And that was actually a truly secret ballot. I mean, you were ticking your preferred candidate without any kind mm. of human intervention from any other person. And I wonder what happened to that and why it was abandoned. Hmm. Um. I, I can't. I can't actually comment on on why that might have been abandoned. To be honest, Jonathan. Um. It. But you're right. It. It isn't something that is currently currently used. Um. You know. We do. We do work with um groups. Um. To identify what are the most commonly used accessible formats for people to access information, and um. I think. At the moment, we rely on the the telephone dictation as being as being that um, the, the best option, I guess, for people who want to have that that secret vote. Um, and I do recognise that um, there there is still a requirement with that for there to be um, someone else involved. I, I absolutely appreciate that. Right. Um, but at the moment, yeah, have, that braille template is is not something that we have or or. Are looking at yeah, and of course the nice thing about the dictation voting is for those people who have difficulty, perhaps just just logistically or financially, in getting to a polling place. Perhaps they have to catch a taxi to get to one. They don't have to do that, and so it's a very inclusive 
kind of process. What about e-voting? There was going to be this trial in the local government elections. I was very excited about this as a a computer (laughs) user. And then, of course, a a wide range of security concerns were expressed and that trial was abandoned. Is that something that the Electoral Commission has a say on, whether we might revisit the question of of e-voting? Or is that something you're merely handed uh, by, by some officials or other department to implement? Mm. Yes, um, it's it's really up to Parliament um, to make decisions about about any changes to the voting system, including um, including online voting. Um, and so, really, from our perspective, it's it's we are watching developments with interest. Um, that includes um, what you mentioned in terms of what was looking like it might happen um, at a local level, local authority level. Um, and we're also watching developments overseas as well. But for now, for now, what we have is a system that, that is secure and, and that voters can trust. And um, it is, as you say, it's not really in within the Electoral Commission's um, control about whether or not we, we go, can go down that route. In the meantime, if you're a blind person who does avail themselves of the, electro- the telephone voting, you hear the satisfying sort of thud of the voting paper being put into a ballot box. So it's all, it's all very reassuring. It's a very elegant, uh, well-thought-through system. Let's give that number again if uh, blind people in New Zealand want to register. Can you give us that 0800 number one more time? Absolutely. It's 0800 028 028. As well as turning up in person to the polling place or voting by phone, you can use postal voting in the general election as well, which is something many people will be familiar with through local government elections, but may not know that you can do this in a general election. Absolutely. Um, So that's really quite a simple process as well. Um, And so the best thing to do would be to contact um, your local returning officer um, and you can get their details either from our website or through calling the commission's main 0800 number. So again, not the dictation number. Um, so that's the 0800 36 76 56. If you, if you call them um, and um, they can take your details and um, either connect you to the returning officer or or pass your request for a post to vote on to the returning officer. And so what will happen is that returning officer, when the voting papers are available, will basically send you uh, send you a special declaration vote in the mail, and so you will um, have access to that a special declaration, which explains why you aren't at a voting place. Effectively, um, you need to fill in that portion of the form and have a witness sign it as well. Um, and then you get your ballot paper at the same time. So you've got, you, and then you can post those those two things back together. And as long as they're back by um, either, you can drop them off at any advanced voting place or voting place, um, as long as it's before 7 p.m. on election day. You can drop it off at the returning officer's headquarters by 7 p.m. on election day. Or if you want to post it back, it just needs to be postmarked before election day and just you just want to give you you just want to give yourself um enough time for it to make it through the postal system um there is a there is a cutoff of i believe it's two or three days after election day but just to be safe we recommend getting it in there nice and early and you do have a range of resources on the electoral commission's website that people might also like to check out 
Absolutely. Um, so you, you can find more information on telephone dictation voting on our website, uh, for one. Um, on the same page, you'll find um, e-text and large print files for some of our key resources. So um, we've got a, a guide to the 2017 general election, which is the main information resource that is available to all people in New Zealand. Um, and there's information in those t formats on telephone dictation voting. There's also an audio file with that information, and from today, actually, there will be a short video about the telephone dictation voting service. Um, those audio files that, that I mentioned as well, they're, they're going to be sent on, um, on a CD um, to about, I think it's just over 4,000 Blind Foundation library users, and they're also on the Foundation's telephone information service. When people turn up to vote, if they choose to do this, um, you speed the process up, right, by taking the e-vote card along? Easy vote, easy vote card. Yes, that's right. So that if you if you've already enrolled by today, today is um, is the cutoff for being on the main roll that will be in voting places. You'll get an easy vote card in the mail um, about between one and two weeks before election day. So if you bring that along with you to a voting place, it really does make the process um, much quicker um, and will also, um, yeah, just, just make it a, a really nice, quick and, and pleasant experience um, uh, for the voter and for, and for the staff as well. Because um, it is, and if you aren't able to bring the easy vote card, that's not a problem at all. You're still able to vote. Um, it, it will be easiest if you if you vote in a voting place that's close to your home, because you will be casting uh, an ordinary vote if you're if you're in your own electorate. If you're outside of your electorate, you'll you'll cast a special vote, which is is fine. It just um, requires a little bit more um, because you've got that declaration to fill in. It's such an important thing, isn't it? I remember going with my. 18-year-old daughter, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to vote in person as well, actually, in the last election, because it was her first time mm -hmm. voting. And it was special. Mm. And she said to me, Dad, I'd like you to come with me. And I was proud of her because a lot of young people don't bother, which is deeply troubling to me. Uh, and so we went along, we walked along, and it was, a, it was a pretty nice day to the polling booth together. And we cast our votes. And it was a kind of a special family thing, knowing that we were exercising our democratic right to choose our government. That's fantastic. I'm yeah. I'm really pleased to hear that. And you know, that sounds like you've you've been sending through some good messages <laughs> to yeah. your daughter. If, if, yeah. Yeah. She's getting married this year, and I I told her fiance, um, if uh, if if he doesn't go along and vote on the 23rd of September, I'll make jolly sure the wedding's off. <laughs> that's good incentive if I ever heard it <laughs> yeah. that's Melissa Thorpe who is the acting manager of voting services at New Zealand's Electoral Commission and I have to say I have decided to use the process this year I did use it as I said in the interview with Melissa in a couple of referenda that we have had about New Zealand's flag this will be the first election where I've used the process and I called the number 0800 028 I went through the registration process. It was very straightforward. Within a couple of hours, I had a text message which contains my secret code. I intend to wait until election day itself before I vote because there are so many weird twists and turns in this campaign. I'm reserving my judgment until election day but the whole process was very smooth bonnie has also registered to vote and had a good experience she elected to 
have her code sent to her by email. The email was pretty much instant. The moment that she got off the phone, there was an email with her registration code. She will also be able now to call the number back and give her code and the answer to her secret question and cast a vote anytime from the 6th of September through until 7pm on election day itself. So it was a very straightforward process. Feel the need to sound off? Share your thoughts about this week's show by email. Send an audio file or write it down and email theblindside at mosin.org. Hi, John, it's David here. I so, I'm so glad that you're awesome you're talking to the politicians about the election and what policies they can provide when it comes to accessibility issues. But the thing I'd like to talk to ask you, and that is why, as blind people, we are unable to exercise our democratic right to a secret ballot, yet we can order a pizza, we can do our shopping, we can check our bank statements, all in secret, private confidence. Yet, we are unable to vote in private, secret and confidence. Good to hear from you, David. And remember, exercise that franchise, mate, because if you don't exercise it, the franchise might get rusty. I think you were talking mainly about e-voting, which is something that I have a real interest in. And there was a lot on Twitter when there was this e-voting trial being mooted and you will have heard me speaking with Melissa Thorpe in that interview about e-voting and then a number of security experts came back and said you know there there is no guarantee that your vote might not be tampered with that you need some sort of verifiable trail to be sure that who you voted for is actually the vote that is counted And in an era where ransomware is rampant, where hacking is rampant, I suppose it is a very serious concern. Is it, you know, voting for a government is probably a little more serious than ordering a pizza, but we do have pretty robust systems for banking transactions, for example, and you can be in a business situation where you're dealing with perhaps millions of dollars. And we seem to be able to safely most of the time transact our banking. So I'm sure that the e-voting issue will come back at some point. And it would be interesting to hear from people who vote electronically. I know that in the US, there has been controversy about these voting machines that they use, some of which are electronic and which don't produce a paper trail. And some people have alleged that there might be a bit of skullduggery, if not going on, then certainly possible. And people have real concerns about the integrity of the democratic process. I think there is a difference between a secret ballot and, shall we say, a ballot that you completely control. Have we achieved blind people being able to cast a secret ballot in New Zealand? I guess I have to say, yes, we have. One thing that concerns me about the process, of course, is that you do have to go through an extra step. You have to, as a blind person, every election, make a phone call and say, I'm blind, I want to be able to cast my vote in this particular way. You've got to keep the text message or the email somewhere. So there is an extra step that admittedly only takes two or three extra minutes that you have to go through 
in order to cast a secret ballot. But is it actually secret? Yes, I think it is. Obviously, it's a human-assisted ballot. And I think that that's an issue that many people hope will change in the future, you know, that other humans are involved in assisting you to cast your ballot. You're not doing the whole thing yourself. But I think it has to be said it is secret now, which is progress, because you call back, you have a number, nobody knows who you are, you have the secrecy of voting, knowing that no one knows who you are, and then you have the verification process before the vote is actually lodged. So that does represent significant progress to me, given that in the past, the only way we had of voting is to take a trusted family member or friend or some official from the polling place into the polling booth with us. And of course, it was an offence under the Electorate Act. It still is because you can still use the system to disclose who a blind person or someone you've assisted has voted for. But in this way, you know, nobody knows. Nobody knows. So in that sense, we have achieved some degree of equality that we didn't have before. I still want the e-voting, though, if we can manage it with the appropriate safeguards and the assurances that my vote will be recorded as I lodged it. So a good call, David, and we look forward to others' comments on how they vote around the world, how secret they feel their voting process is, and how smoothly it operates. I've heard of people who've gone to polling places and been challenged, or the machine, in the case of the United States, that you need to use to vote accessibly wasn't set up or was malfunctioning. I'd love to hear people's stories about the voting process around the world. Thanks for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting, on the web at mosin.org.